for getting to, to Sir as we have done that. We look forward to getting to, to know all of you and, and getting to, to serve here with you as well. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1 this evening, so let's just go ahead and pray and then we will uh, start in our message. Gracious Heavenly Father, you are good to us beyond measure. And Father, if we were to look back across the span of our lives at the various events and the various things that have occurred, and if we were to understand what it is that you have done in moments that are exciting, in moments of rejoicing, but also in the moments that maybe created fear and anxiety, and Father, the things that you did in those moments to draw us to yourself, to grow us, to mold us, to shape us. Father, if we could understand those things, Father, I wonder how differently we would think. Father, you are always good to us and you are working in us. So, Father, tonight as we study your word, as we delve into what you have given to us, Father, I pray that we would be willing to learn, that we'd be desirous of changing and, Father, allowing you to continue to mold and to shape us. Father, you're good and we love you. In your name, amen. My dad is one of my favorite people in the whole world. And I know a lot of people can't say that, but, but my dad, if there was anybody that I wanted to be more like across my life, it was my dad. My dad is just one of those people that I enjoy being around and that I have learnt so much from. Many of the, the skills and many of the traits and many of the attributes that I have learned, I can attribute directly back to the wisdom and, and the, the learning that I gained from my dad. Much of what he taught me was with very few words but it was through watching his life, watching as he applied things in his own life, and then when we as children watched that, we began to pick up those traits as well. An example, for instance, is, is every morning my dad could be found in his bedroom doing his devotions and praying every single morning. I would walk past my dad's bedroom and I would see him in there reading his Bible and praying. That impacted my life as I've gone forward in my own walk with God. Another lesson that I learned from my dad was, was to learn to love the journey. To learn to love the journey. But I have to be honest with you tonight, and I think if each of us was honest with ourselves... That's a tough lesson to learn, and it's something that I still struggle with today. You see, I'm a very goal-oriented person. I get target fixation. I see a goal, and, and that's what I want to achieve, and anything in between me and that goal becomes clutter, becomes confusion, becomes annoying. I just want to be at the goal. I remember as a child, one of the things that I liked doing, and, and we lived in Papua New Guinea, I grew up in Papua New Guinea as a kid, and we, we lived in a village, and one of the things that I liked doing is I liked going on hikes with my dad. 
My dad and I would make a plan and we'd say, hey, let's, let's walk to this mountain, let's get to the top of that mountain, or let's go and, let's go and see if we can visit this stream. This, we hear everybody in the village talking about the stream, let's see if we can get to that stream, or, or maybe let's try and get to the next village over and, village, and, and visit that village, and maybe my dad would be doing, doing a Bible study with him or something like that. But we always had this goal, let's get somewhere. We'd have the goal and we'd set off. And much to my frustration, along the way, very quickly, I would feel like we just stepped outside of our house and my dad would be like, hey, wow, look at this flower. <laughs> and I'm going, dad, the, the goal, it, we just left the house. You look at that flower every day. Let's go. We keep walking and he'd stop and he'd look at a, a lizard balanced precariously on a log. Or he'd stop and watch the way that a waterfall trickled and and bounced off the rocks. And at points he would stop and he'd say, hey, Phil, hey, hey son, come, come and look at this. Have a look at how the sun shines through this leaf. Have a look at how this flower sits. Have a look at... And in my mind, I'm going, stop wasting time, stop wasting time, stop wasting time. While he's looking at the rhododendron, I'm looking for shortcuts because he's wasted so much time. I was goal-oriented. I'm still goal-oriented. I want to get to the goal, but I don't want what's in between me and the goal. It's often said that our relationship, our growth, our development as believers, is a journey. On that journey, there are different events, different milestones that that we have to walk through in our walk with God. There are parts of the journey that we naturally find joy in. And there are parts of the journey that we struggle with. What I've found in myself, and again, I think if we're honest with ourselves tonight, while I love parts of my journey in faith, and while I I love parts of the other sanctifying work of my Heavenly Father in my life, largely, I'd rather skip the difficult points along the road. I'd rather have a glimpse every now and then of God's glory, and I'd rather see those highlight moments, but largely in my life, I would rather just get to the goal. God, you said you were molding me and shaping me into the image of your son, and God, that's where I want to be, and can we please deal with all the rest of this quickly so that I can get to this point? And largely, I think that's where most of us sit. Someone far wiser than me, and that could be pretty much anyone. Someone far wiser than me once said, a man who loves to walk will walk further than the man who only loves the destination. A man who loves to walk will walk further than the man who just loves the destination. The sanctifying work of God in the life of the believer does more than just make us better people. It does more than just change my perspective of myself and of my dreams. The sanctifying work of God displays the grace of God. That saturates me in the the mercy of God. It overwhelms me with the love of God. 
sanctifying work of God puts on display the depravity of a sinful man and exposes the good work of God in my life. Over the years, God has been teaching me, like my dad did, to love to walk, to learn to love the journey. Turn with me, if you're not there already, turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to spend our time tonight in verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It reads, being confident of this very thing, that he which began hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I've got three points for you this evening. Uh, A friend of mine once told me, a very good friend of mine who's a preacher once told me that if you only have two points, you haven't studied well enough, and if you have more than three points, you're just showing off. So I'm going to stick to to three points tonight. Uh, Don't take that personally if you've ever gone over three or whatever. So I've got three points for you tonight, and we're just going to break this verse down. It says, he which hath begun. The key to understanding the, the work that is being done is understanding who the who is in this picture. If we look back up at verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he, which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. The who in this picture is God. It's not the Philippian church, it's not Paul, it's most certainly not you and it's not me. The who in this picture is God and the who in the life of every believer must be God. Here's my first point for you this evening. The work that is critical in your journey was not started by you. The work that is critical in your journey was not started by you, it was started by God. Take a look at these verses with me. Throughout the gospel, there is direction, there is movement, and this is what I love about the gospels. It's not stagnant, it's not standing still, and it applies to a newborn believer. It also applies to to those of us who've been saved for a long time. The gospel continues to change us. We need to continue to preach the gospel to ourselves. Have a look at this with me. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Notice the action was from God. The action here is from God. It was God that loved the world, a world full of sinners, a world that turned its back on Him, a world that was at enmity with Him, a world that was incapable of understanding, let alone loving God loved the world so much that He gave His only begotten Son. Again, we see action here. The direction began with God and was directed toward man. It was God that loved the world and it was God that gave His Son. Have a look at another verse with me, Romans 5 verse 8, and you'll know these verses well. Romans 5 verse 8, but God commendeth. God commendeth. Again, we see the action is from God. God exhibited, God displayed His love. 
It is his love that is on display, not my actions, not my failures, not my shortcomings. It is God's love that is on display. God commendeth his love towards us. It's God's love on display towards men in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The work is done by God through Christ on my behalf. Let me give you one more just in case you're not getting it, you're not seeing the movement here. 1 John 4, 9 through 10. It says, in, lo- in this was manifested or made known, exposed, the love of God toward us. Toward us. Because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. The only possible, this is only possible because God showed His love to us by sending the only option that we have for salvation. The only option that we have for mercy. The only option that we have for an eternity filled with hope. Our living through Him is only possible because of the action of God. Verse 10, here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Are you picking up what I'm putting down here? Are you grasping what I'm seeing? Are you seeing the movement in the gospel? And you see the direction. Throughout the entire gospel, there is a direction. God towards man. Come back to Philippians 1 verse 6 with me. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you. These words take on a different meaning when we see them in the light of the gospel, when we see the movement of God towards man. The work began with God. Not with me. Yes, you must believe. Yes, you must have faith. Yes, you must surrender to the will of God. But it was God that brought you to the point of belief. It was God that brought you to the point of faith. It was God that brought you to the point of surrender. The work that is critical in your life, in your journey, was not started by you. It was started by God. Now notice how this verse in Philippians started. He says, being confident. Being confident. The only reason that we can be confident is because the work wasn't started by us. We can only be confident in what's occurring in us because it wasn't started by us. Now, I like working with my hands and I like getting out and do all sorts of things. And if I start a project, I'm confident in that project. I know where it's at. But if somebody else gives me their project and says, hey, I started this, can you finish it off? I'm not confident in where it's at. And often I'll just want to dismantle it and start it again and do it myself because I have no confidence in what they have done. But we can have confidence in the work that is being done in us because it's not started by us. Because if it was started by me, it would be tainted by sin. Because if it was started by me, it would be distorted by my own selfish desires. 
Because if it was started by me, it would be covered in unrighteousness. But the work that was started in you was started by a holy God. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you. The work that has begun in me, the work that has begun in you, the work that has begun in the believer is a good work. And we can be confident in it because it wasn't started by us. It was started by the creator of the entire universe. It was started by the master craftsman. It was started by the heavenly father who loved us and knows us in intimate detail. Have a look at Psalm chapter 139 verses 1 to 6 with me. Psalm 139, verses 1 to 6, it says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and know me. Thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. Thou understand my thought afar off. Thou compassed me, my path, and my laying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. The God who knows all things, the God who is love, the God who you as a believer can call Father, started a good work in you. Think about that for just a moment. The God of all creation. The God that allows your heart to continue to beat. The God that places enough oxygen in the air for you to breathe. The God that allows the sun to rise and to set Every day, the God that we can hear those birds singing outside keeps them alive and fed. The God that created the entire universe has a plan for you and started a good work in you. That should blow our minds. That should Wake us up each morning filled with joy that the God of all creation has a plan for me and started a good work in me. And as I get up in the morning, I want to glorify God. I want to live a life that shows, that puts on display God's glory. Come back to Philippians 1 verse 6 with me. It is a good work. We can see that in the text. But what is the work? Warren Wiersbe puts it this way. He says, salvation is the work that God does for us. Sanctification is the work that God does in us. And service is the work that God does through us. The work of salvation in your life was performed by God. The continuing work of sanctification is the work of God in us to conform us to the image of His Son. That's what God is doing for you now. I 
think we could all agree that the work that God did in saving us was good work. I think we'd agree to that. And I think we'd agree that the work that, that God does in us, that, 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 that service that overflows out of us because of what God's doing in us, I think we would agree that that is good work. But where we come unstuck, where I come unstuck, where I so often start to doubt God and start to question God and start to, to question God's wisdom and go, hang on a second, God, is this, is this right? Surely this event, this thing, this, this situation that I'm in, surely this is somehow slipped outside of your plan and God, surely there's a better way to do this. Surely as I'm on this journey, we didn't have to stop and explore this. God, surely there's a better way. Sometimes we question and we say that, yes, the work that God is doing is good, but is this good? Is this good? Yes, yeah, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it is mind blowingly good but sometimes it's hard and sometimes what God is putting us through we can't see that it is good right now look at a couple of verses with me Psalm 145 verse 9 Psalm 145 verse 9 the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works the Lord is good to all. Have a look down a couple more verses, Psalm 145, verse 17. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. God is good. The work that he does in me, the work that he does through me is good. The problem isn't God. The problem is my perspective of what is good. The problem is my understanding of what God is doing. My perspective, my opinion of good is tainted by my heart. It's tainted by my flesh. It's distorted by my own selfish desires. You see, our perspective of God changes everything. How we view God, how we place God in awe changes everything. If my perspective of God is wrong, my view of you as a child of God is wrong. If my perspective of God is, is skewed because of my selfishness, my view of myself as a child of God is wrong. And I begin to puff myself up. I deserve this. If my perspective of God is wrong, if my view of God is wrong, the situation that I am in, I will view that wrong. Why? Because my perspective of God is wrong. Our perspective of God, how we view God, where we place God in our lives impacts everything. God must be the center of everything. He must be 
at the top of everything in our lives. I can be confident that the work that God is doing in me is good. But now that I'm saved, maybe I've been saved for for a long time, what is the work that he's doing in me right now? I got saved, but what happens now? What is it that God is continuing to do in me now? And we use this word in church, and, and maybe you're not familiar with it, maybe you are. We use this word sanctification. A process by which God conforms us to the image of his son. Have a look at Romans with me, Romans 8, 28 to 29. (coughs) Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 29. And we know that all things work together for good of them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestine to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the first be the firstborn among many brethren. My second point for you tonight is that the work that is critical in your sanctification is not done by you. The work that is critical in your sanctification is not done by you. It is done by God through the Holy Spirit. Romans, sorry, Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Remember the who in this picture. It is God who began the good work in you, and it is God who will perform it. It is God who will continue it. It is God who will execute it in you. So what is sanctification and why is it Important. I got saved. Surely that was enough. Listen to me closely. The work of God on your behalf was more than just saving you from hell. The work of God on your behalf was more than just a life raft to rescue you. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ was not just a life raft for you to avoid eternal damnation. It was the beginning of a work in you to change you so that you could do exactly what God designed you to do. God designed you to glorify Him. God designed you to glorify Him. Sanctification is the continuing work of change that God does in the believer, freeing us from sin and forming in us a Christ-like nature. So why is that important? Why is it that that fits into my life as a believer? 1 Peter 1, 15, 1 Peter 1, 15 through 16. But he, but as he hath, let me start that again. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. 
Because as it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. The word conversation there isn't talking about the way we talk to each other. The word conversation there literally means your lifestyle, how you live. Be holy in all manner of how you live. The overwhelming truth of what Peter has just told us to do, be holy as God is holy, is impossible apart from the work that God is doing in you. It's impossible apart from God's sanctifying work in you. If we don't grasp how important this is for our lives as believers, we spend the rest of our lives doomed to despair. Because what it becomes, if I'm not working, if I'm not relying on the work of the Holy Spirit in me, and I'm just relying on my own actions and my own ability to fight and my own ability to struggle through this, it becomes this perpetual cycle of realizing that there's sin and me and myself in my flesh fighting against that, trying to impress God, trying to somehow fit within the body, and it becomes this cycle of sin revealed, fight sin, but then I can't continue because I'm not allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me. The Holy Spirit works in me to reveal those sins and then works in me to deal with those sins. But if I'm not responding to the Holy Spirit and I'm just doing it in my flesh, I'm not going to get anywhere. It's going to be this perpetual cycle of frustration. God calls us, His children, to holiness, and in His grace, through the work of the Holy Spirit, He gives us what we need to meet those demands. God's demand is that we are holy, and through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can meet those demands. Have a look at 1 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians 3.18. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all, with open face, Beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. God began a work in you. He saved you from your sin, and now through the work of the Holy Spirit, He continues to do a work in you to sanctify you. Philippians 2.13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So what does sanctification look like in my life? We've talked about what it is and why it's important, but what does it look like in my life? I could save through faith in the, the finished work of Christ on the cross, a work that was initiated by God. A work that I can be confident in. And now as a believer, God places in me to, a desire to grow in knowledge. A, a, a knowledge that is a practical knowledge born out of the Word of God, but a knowledge that is also an experiential knowledge that is born out of a, a consistent and a right relationship with God. And as I gain in knowledge, as I grow in my relationship with God, the Holy Spirit reveals in me anything that is going to impact my relationship with God. And as I grow in my work with God, I desire to deal with those things because I want to be closer to God. But if I don't deal with this sin, I can't get closer to God. So the Holy Spirit continues to deal with me, continues to convict me of that sin, and I deal with that sin and I continue to grow in my walk with God. 
as I continue to grow in knowledge through time in God's Word, and as I continue to respond to the Holy Spirit, my perspective changes. My heart seeks more and more and more to glorify God in all that I do. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Do all things to the glory of God. I can only do that as I respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. As hardship arises in any form, as hardship arises, my perspective becomes one of glorification to God. Because I know that in this hardship, I'm being conformed to the image of God. As Peter says, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. God calls me to be holy. And in his grace, through the work of the Holy Spirit in me, he sanctifies me. I become more of who God wants me to be and less of who I am in the flesh. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. I can be confident that the work that God began in me, he is still executing in me through the work of the Holy Spirit. My confidence is not in my ability or was not in my ability to save myself and my confidence is not in my ability to sanctify myself. I'm confident because it is God's work in me. It brings us to our last part of the verse tonight and our final point. Philippians 1, 6 again, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Our last point tonight, the work that is critical to sustain you until the return of Christ is the work of God through Jesus Christ. The work that is critical to sustain you until the return of Christ is the work of God through Jesus Christ. Sinclair Ferguson in his book Lessons from the Upper Room said, no matter what happens, the biggest issue in life has been settled. Our final destination in the Father's house. No matter what happens, The biggest issue, our eternity has already been settled. It's eternity with my Father. The work of salvation that God began in you, the work that God continues to do in you to save and to sanctify you, He will continue to do until Jesus returns to take you home to be with your Father. Tonight we've heard it from Paul as he wrote to the Philippians, but maybe we need to hear it from somebody different, a little bit different perspective. Let's listen to Peter. And we know Peter. Peter struggled, didn't he? As we look at his early life, he struggled and and he was immature and he was reactive and he lacked wisdom and he, he doubted and even denied Christ. Peter was in the upper room when Christ was talking but he didn't understand anything that was being said. But eventually Peter did come to understand. And I'm sure as he wrote to the believers, he was thinking about those moments with Christ. Have a look at 1 Peter 1 verses 3 through 9 with me. 
And just listen to what Peter says when he, when he writes to these believers. 1 Peter 1, 3-9 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. But the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls." Friends, the work that God began in you, He will continue until Christ takes again, comes again to take you home to be with your Heavenly Father. At the start of this evening's message, I began by telling you about going on journeys with my dad. And as a young boy, all I wanted was to get to the goal. The sidetracks and the distractions that my father would take me on, they, they frustrated me. They were, to, in my mind, they were pointless. And even to some extent, sometimes I felt like they were punishments. As a believer, I want to be more Christ-like. I want to grow in my faith. I want to develop characteristics that represent who I am in Christ. But often when my Heavenly Father allows events and situations into my life to develop those characteristics, to grow my faith, to mold me and shape me into who God would have me be, often when those things happen, I push back. And I say, God, surely there's another way. I want the easy road. I want the shortcut. But over the years, I've learned that the journey is much more enjoyable when I allow my Father to guide me through and to point things out. The journey is much more enjoyable when I allow Him to make corrections, when I realize that I don't have to navigate the hardships by myself. He who began a good work in me is faithful to continue it until the end. I'm learning to look for the blessings and the lessons in the journey. And I'm learning to enjoy the journey. Tonight, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you're at spiritually, physically, emotionally. Each of us is in a different place. But I do know this. If you're a believer here tonight, you have a Heavenly Father that loves you. If you're a believer here tonight, you have a Heavenly Father that started a good work in you. 
and you can be confident in that good work because it wasn't started by you. It was started by your Heavenly Father. And you can also be confident that He will continue that work, that good work in you until Christ returns. Let's celebrate that tonight. Let's close in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, you are good to us. God, we, we cannot, in our wildest dreams, imagine how good you are. Father, all the languages in the world cannot describe how good you are to us. You created us to glorify you. And yet, Father, so often I am focused on myself my awe is taken by things here when it should be on you. So, Father, tonight I pray that we would hold you at the highest point in our awe. And Father, in all things we would look to you and we would realize that you desire to conform us and to mold us and to shape us into exactly who you would have us be. And the Father, when we allow that work to happen in our lives, Father, then we are most satisfied. Father, when we allow that work to happen in our lives, then we are most joyful. Now, Father, as I continue to struggle, as I continue to push away and seek my own satisfaction and my own joy, Father, I'm doomed to destruction. So, Father, tonight I desire nothing more than to glorify you. And, Father, I pray that we as a body would desire to glorify you in all our actions. You started a good work in us. And, Father, I pray that we would realize that and live in that light. Father, you are good and we love you. In your name, amen. Please stand with me.